So the title of the message is How to Move Forward in Confidence, and it's based on Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, which reads, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Now what are we even talking about there? Or what is, of course, the writer of Hebrews talking about, which is the most important question. First of all, just think about this, you guys. If we ask the question, what is confidence? How would you answer that? Confidence is a form of assurance. And just listen, in particular areas in our life, we have to have assurance. Otherwise, everything breaks down. If you got on a plane and, you know, the captain says, welcome, you know, to flight so-and-so, we're so glad you chose it, you, you have options, and so we know that, and uh, the, I, I project this is going to be a flight of like three hours and 20 minutes to St. Louis, and then he said this, and you know, I'm feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> so I'd give it like a 96% chance we're going to make it, right? Can you imagine a captain on an airline saying that to you, and you're sitting there, what did he just say? Nine. I give it a 96% chance we will make it to our destination in St. Louis. And if we don't, we're going to land somewhere. But you know, it, it's, wait, are you kidding? It's like, I want off the plane, right? Okay, here's the idea. Every Christian has experienced confidence in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Guarantee, in other words, they have assurance it is a work of God's Spirit coupled with the revelation of God, His Word. They are born again. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So in other words, it's like we get on the plane, you know, we're getting on the carrier of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so to speak, when we strap in, we're in Christ positionally, and we have, hey, I have absolute assurance because the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead indwells me, and I've experienced this assurance brought to me by the Holy Spirit that, look, I'm in God's kingdom both now and forever. It's like 100%, right? Watch this. In the passage, what, what the writer is saying here is, look, every believer has confidence in Christ, but it's essential to manage, actually, and steward your confidence. You need, you need to steward it. It's like, don't cast away your confidence. And the context is, that he's writing to those who are experiencing this pile-up of evil in their generation, and they're experiencing opposition in their life. In fact, you guys, here's context. Look at verse 32. He says, But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle by reproaches and tribulations, partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you have compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Pause right there. Spectacle, reproaches, persecution, right? People ripping you off. I mean, I mentioned this last week. We were going to have that large concert here right on uh, New Year's Eve, and because of threat of rain, uh, they moved it to San Diego. You guys know the story, right? And they moved it to a church. I mentioned this last week. They moved it to a church that was just like terribly defiled, assaulted, spray-painted. Like, spray-paint's not my concern. But, you know, there's vandalism, all these crazy things said about believers and stuff, right? But there was persecution. There was opposition. There's no doubt about it. 
the, the, the writer here in Hebrews is saying, look, um, in the context of opposition and persecution, and when you're feeling threat, hey, don't, don't run, don't like throw away, cast away your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. Can I hear a big amen to that? No, no, no. What you need to do, like don't bail. So it's like you're in the plane, so to speak, getting back to that illustration, in Christ, if you're hitting turbulence, don't like open the door and jump out of the plane. I mean, because there's no there there. You're just like, wait a second, the only way forward is forward actually. And so he says in verse 36, for you have need of endurance, that you have done the will of God, that you may receive the promise. And look at verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back, like jump out of the plane, right? To break down, but to those who believe to the saving of the soul. Saving of the soul. Oh yeah, I mean, is there, is there compensation and blessing to those who continue to trust that Jesus is the Son of God? You better believe it. I mean, like, think about marriage. Marriage began with a commitment of entering into a covenant. It's a beautiful thing. And then you kissed, right? And then we had the honeymoon. It's just phenomenal, phenomenal, fun. And that's how it begins. Okay, a successful, thriving marriage continues actually to do those things. So in other words, it's not just like, oh, wait, um, we're on the altar and we kiss. And you guys know this, right? And, and then we, you know, honeymoon. And we say, you know, I, I, like I got on the plane, so to speak, and then, uh, I, I, I did that already. No, no, it's like, like, like Mary, I was just thinking about this the other day. Here's my precious wife. I've been married to her 36 years. My best friend, my love, my dove. I'll stop right there, uh, right? So all these stuff, you know, all, and I'm thinking, the covenant. I remember the covenant. I remember Chuck Smith looking at me. I mean, I can still see his eyes, I kid you not, because it was piercing. And he said, Greg, you are called to love her nothing short of how Jesus loved you. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but it's like, here's the thing. I'm like 22 years of age. Do I really get that? I mean, I do, but I don't. So now I'm 58. And uh, life is unique and challenging. And now I have my precious bride. I mean, what does it look like today? It's like, what does keeping the covenant of marriage look like today? Don't cast it away. It has great Reward, right? In the similar way in our faith, man, keep moving forward. And here's the idea. We have point number one, that what the writer does is he's basically saying active faith is the caffeine for confidence or the fuel for confidence. So in other words, we have to manage our, our confidence and what's essential is faith. The question is, what is faith? And that's what he's dealing with in Hebrews chapter 11. He's like, it's called the hall of faith. All these great men and women of old who believe God, trusted God. The Bible says without faith, he says in verse six, chapter 11, without faith it's impossible to please him. They that come to him must believe that he is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of you had a curiosity? Did you get notes this morning? Did you pick up notes? Because there's some outline. There's actually two sides to your notes. One side is the notes last week that identify specifically what active faith looks like, right? And then this week's notes, okay? So 
I, I wanted to put both of those there. But you guys, what is faith? Because we talked about it last week. It's not a form of intellectual suicide, that's for sure. I mean, faith is not superstition. It's not a gut feeling. What would you say faith is? Faith actually introduces us to the world of the intangible, okay? It introduces us to the world of ideas that give meaning to life, that are to inform and impact our life. Like faith comes by, can someone tell me? Hearing, hearing by the word of God. So now you're talking about, okay, the world of the intangible and material. So faith introduces you to that world, introduces you to the, the world of, the, of, of ideas, like the ideas of justice, the ideas of truth, love, eternality. And that's why the Bible says, the righteous, watch this, shall live by faith. The world of the intangible, initially, the immaterial, of love, righteousness, justice, and the greatest intangible reality of all is the Lord himself. So if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and we talked about this last week, but let's just jump to chapter 11, verse 6. It reads, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He who comes to God must believe that he, what's the next word, you guys, is. Actually, yeah, actually, the greatest immaterial, intangible reality of all is Almighty God. And based on Hebrews eleven six. Active faith is rewarded by God. There's a payoff, okay? So the question is, what does active faith look like that is a caffeine for our confidence and assurance? Because we don't want to live double-minded and lack assurance. We do crazy things when that's the case. When we're caught up with fear and double-mindedness, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, we do crazy things, like we, we bail in relationships, we bail, we try to jump out of the plane, we do crazy things, we need the assurance that is ours in Jesus Christ. Faith, active faith, you, have to, you gotta implement active faith, will be a caffeine to your confidence. Like, what does that look like? Well, a faith God rewards recognizes that God's presence uh, in the present, in other words, Active faith recognizes, hey man, the Lord is with us and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I hear another big amen to that? Like in the room, in the room. No, I recognize it. No, I step into that. No, I, he rewards those who diligently seek him. To diligently seek him would be to worship him in spirit and truth. And the truth is, he's with me. He's with me and he's in the room. It's like, he, he's in, and you know, the Lord said to Thomas, it's like, Thomas, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe who have not seen. So you step into that. Look, here's the thing. You believe the Lord is in the room and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's compensation for that. There's a payoff. You will be rewarded. There's a blessing there. A faith God rewards trusts God's promises. That's another point from last week. Trust God's promise is what? He's with me. Trust God's promise. He's going to provide my needs. Trust God's promise. He's working all things out for the good to those who love him and called according to his purpose. Watch this. If we add Ephesians 6 to all of this, Paul illustrates being strong in the Lord by 
referring to a Roman shield to illustrate active faith. And he tells us that at times, it's going to be intense in life. So it's like a Roman shield was about four feet, which is about like right here. And, you know, certain, had a width to it, and it was differently layered. And the idea was is that, hey, if you're in battle, you have these, you have these arrows being shot at you, and you get behind your shield, which, and it's able to quench like these fiery darts that are coming your way. He says, hey, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Whoa. And actually, he says, there's an evil day. So in other words, when these arrows are really flying, it's like, if we ask the question, hey, are we living in an evil day? Okay, I don't want to focus on it, but hey, are there a bunch of arrows being shot of doubt and confusion and chaos and corruption? Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We're increasingly living in an age of lawlessness, right? He says, faith is able to quench all the fiery darts of the malignant one. The one is like, you, give, you allow room for this darkness and this evil and Satan and what is not true, it's like a cancer and it will spread. But faith, I'm just trying to draw it actually, faith, active faith, it's likened to a shield, but in context, the implication is it can get intense sometimes. Are you guys with me on this? Like intense, whoa, man, it's really flying. Whoa, disorienting. Whoa, I'm tempted to be discouraged or demoralized because, man, you got major, you know, arrows flying. And, and what is an arrow that comes from the enemy? If you base it on Genesis 3, which is that we need to do, a fiery arrow can be doubt. The idea that did God, did he really say did he really say he's going to provide, that he's present, that he's working all things out? Did he really say when Jesus was on the cross, it is finished, and what does that mean? And, you know, he's establishing a kingdom that will never break down. The flaming arrow can inflict immediate injury, long-term injury, if we don't respond to it with faith. A.W. Tozer penned, Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of God's word. So it's like, hey, when you, say, you know what? When I take up the shield of faith, what I'm doing is, is I'm actually stepping into the truth of God and believing it. And if I don't do that, then I'm going to allow an open door of doubt that can be disorienting, that can lead to discouragement, that can lead to depression. And listen, look up here for a second. Here's the reality, okay? So when Paul like, says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, we have a sword that's truth and breastplate and it's righteousness in Christ and a helmet of salvation. He's just illustrating what it is to be strong in the Lord based on a, Ro a Roman soldier. But here's the thing. At, in a battle, you, you, when the arrows are flying, what, what you have often is soldiers banding together. It's like, oh my goodness, here comes the, you guys, listen, you, you get your shield, I get my shield, and we, and we like hundreds, thousands of people banding together, shoulder to shoulder, and now we're gaining strength from each other. So the implication of 
taking up the shield of faith. And this is point number two. We have it up on the screen is we actually grow in confidence when we remain committed to each other. I mean, the church is like coals in a heart, hot barbecue pit, right? And if a coal is isolated, it grows cold. But when together with other coals, it burns brighter. We need each other. Do we not benefit when we gather with each other? When we link shields, absolutely essential. And I think of what Peter wrote. Look, Peter likened Satan to a lion. A lion likes to isolate its prey. So you don't want to live in isolation. Great job for being here, you guys. Good job. And in 2023, hey, keep the priority of being with other believers on a consistent basis. Can I hear another big amen to that? I mean, you know, COVID accelerated things and, and you have like believers, like I believe are the faithful remnant, you know, not forsaking the fellowship of the brethren. And it's so important that as we move forward in this evil day, that we continue to do just that. Don't forsake the fellowship of the brethren. In fact, look at the context here. Go back to Hebrews 10. Look at, look at verse actually 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So to take up the shield of faith, and we're talking about like, okay, well, faith is rewarded. There's like a compensation. There's a payoff. I mean, the idea is like, we talked about this last week. Let me just insert this. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, it's like you, you want to please God because God is the one who knows everything and has your highest good in mind. And he's all powerful. And there's a plan unfolding in his son. So it's like rather than, oh man, you know, like who is this God that we live for his pleasure? Wait, 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 wait. It's like he, he knows everything. He loves you. He has your highest good in mind. The point is, is that he's saying faith needs to be a supreme reality in your life. So meaning like you diligently seek him, believe he's in the room, believe his promises, right? Take up the shield of faith. Implication, be with other believers as well, which is going to facilitate confidence and assurance moving forward. And of course, what a unique time in which we live. And point number three, and I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter four. Point number three is, hey, a faith that God rewards. Praise. Praise. Now, someone may be thinking, it's like, hey, man, I'm just not really kind of the praying kind, right? But would it convince you if I said Jesus was the praying kind? And he spent time in prayer. He would get up in the morning and just go up on the mountain and seek the Father alone. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating drops of blood, and he is looking to the Heavenly Father. Prayer is rewarded by God. It's like, how, how so? He, he blesses it. Look at verse 6. We know this well. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by, what's the next word? Prayer and supplication. 
and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, the last couple of weeks, to be frank with you, like you have the notes there on, on like, on what an act of faith looks like, and you want to identify because it's rewarded by God. For me, I'm just like, I mean, trying to be super intentional, active faith, active faith, active faith, active faith, active faith. Godly works, belief, presence, nothing's too hard for them, prayer, like I'm, I got, I'm worried about, I'm concerned about this, you know, what am I gonna do? I mean, pray, first thing, pray. Just seek the Lord, look to him in prayer. And actually, look, here's the context of this. Paul is writing actually from prison. And he's in prison because there's been some fake news about him from the Temple Mount that he ends up actually before the emperor of Rome and his life is going to be taken. But if you read Philippians, he's not raging. He's not raging against injustice and just stinking broken world and stuff like that. It is broken. Jesus is the answer to the brokenness of our world, of course. But actually, he's talking about freedom. He's, he's actually talking about being victorious amidst a broken world. He's in prison. I mean, he's chained, but he's free on the inside. There's a lot of people who are free on the outside, but they're unchained on the inside. So what, what he does is like, um, let me just tell you, and no doubt he, he knew this. This is a part of his own life. He's just saying, hey, God has given us a clear track when it comes to anxiety. You know, actually the word for anxiety comes from two words, mind, and the other is to divide. It's as if worry and fear cuts a channel through our mind that drains our thoughts. And when this takes place, our thinking lacks clarity and focus. Our thinking becomes toxic, producing instability. We find ourselves thinking, what could go wrong will go wrong. Um, it's just all of a sudden, it's like, you know, the boogeyman becomes really, really real. I'm just having a flashback. That's when my, I'll forget it. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, my, bro, my older brother said, he's going he's to visit you tonight, Greg. He's going he's to visit you. Remember you used to be the dial phones, you could call your own phone, hang it up, and then it would call, it would ring. You guys remember that? And then he'd pick it up and he says, you know, he's going to visit you tonight, Greg. He's going to be. And then I'd go in my room, my brother would be at my window like this with his eyes on. Freaked me out. There you go. Same. <clears throat> Just had a cortisol shot right there. Um, but, but here's the thing. Our, our Father has given us this clear track. You guys, so important. Got to pray. Pray. And we're going to pray. And look, as a church family, we're going to pray in just a little bit. But got to pray. And he identifies three types of prayer. And we're going to move through this fairly concisely. One is a general prayer. So are you experiencing anxiety uh, over a job, performance, relationships, health, children, marriage? Okay, well, what are we to do? Man, clear track when there's Worry triggered, I need to respond to it with prayer. That reference to prayer there is a general reference that carries the idea of adoration and devotion, having your heart captured with the greatness of Almighty God. So it's just like prayer is, like I'm getting my eyes upward. I think of Acts 
16, Paul and Silas thrown into prison, right, for proclaiming the gospel. You have their back shredded, whipping, lying extended on their ground, legs and stalks pulled apart, right? Excruciating pain. And yet we read they're not angry. They're not, you know, shaking their fists at God. They're not raging because of the injustice. Acts 16.25 says, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed. What did it look like? Oh, they sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. So so look, here's the thing. When there's a trigger of anxiety or worry, our precious Father, inspired by the Word of God, has given us a clear track here. And it's, it's great to be still and know that He's God, and He will be exalted among the nations. Can I hear another amen to that? Like, even get alone. Like, look, get on your knees. And actually, the next word, supplication, refers to specific prayer requests that are made to God. It carries the idea of a full-hearted effort. It's the kind of effort that throws you on your knees. And you're standing in the gap. You're praying for a loved one, for a friend, for intimacy with the Lord, personal holiness, This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. He is on his face. I mean, that picture there just makes me want to weep. He's on his face in the ground, crying out to the Father, and then concluding, not my will, but your will be done. Okay, despising the circumstances, he trusted the Father because the Father is only good, and the Lord honored him in resurrection and ascension. Watch, general prayers captured by the greatness of God. Supplication on your knees. Like I was in this meeting a couple weeks ago and, and a few people were leading in a word of prayer and I was sitting at a table and the person I was sitting at, we were praying and then I just kind of sensed there was some movement and I kind of looked up and he was on his knees. And then it's like, that's awesome. You know? And then he got back and he said, and then another person, and I just I looked, at, he's on his knees again. I love it. Okay, supplication, crying out to God. And lastly, the prayer of thanksgiving. Oh, that's a prayer too. You know, we live in this, think about it, we live in this advertising world, right? Constantly identifying what we don't have. And our culture thrives off the buzz of obtaining something new. That's kind of the high. That's the intoxication. And it's easy to slip into the thinking that life is in the abundance of what you possess. When Jesus said life is not in the abundance of what you possess. Look how much God has given us. Here's the thing. Thankfulness is the lens that provides clarity in life. I mean, giving thanks to God for his genius creation, for each other, for the Lord Jesus, for the fact that he has been faithful and true in our lives every step of the way. That's a reality. That's why the Bible says, cut out grumbling and complaining. The surest way to inject ourselves with stupidity and sanity is to get the habit of complaining about things or focusing on what is not rather than what is. Can I hear an amen to that? You guys, I'm going to actually, we're going to do something a little different, which is awesome. I'm going to ask a group of uh, some of in our church to come up at this time because let's enter a time of prayer. So for those of you who who are part of the team. Come on up here, you guys. And we're going to pray in six areas, just briefly. And I want us all to join together 
as we pray. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to pray. And then we're going to transition to communion, actually. But, yeah, come on up, Bruce, and you're going to lead the way. So we're going to read a scripture. And then let's, and let's band together, you guys. Let's say the idea of putting our shields together, right? And let's... Just this be in one accord. So thematically, we're going to be praying and looking to the Lord for a variety of things. Filled with the Spirit, being true to His Word. We're going to pray for our kids, all kinds of things. Okay, we're going to pray for, but we're going to read a scripture and then we'll have one on our church family lead us in prayer. Bruce? Okay, from Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 18. See then that you walk circumspectly not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, first of all, lifting our hearts in praise and thanksgiving for what you're doing here at Rise Church. In this passage, you ask us to walk wisely. So we can't do that on our own. We need your wisdom. So let us ask for your wisdom daily. Also, your word says there is safety in a multitude of counselors. So let us rely on each other in areas that we may not have complete knowledge and check in with others that do before we make decisions, that we can make wise decisions in this evil world. Also, we thank you for the work you're doing here. Um, you asked us to be filled with the Spirit, so we ask for a, a fresh refilling of all of us this year as we start a new year. Uh, for us to be filled, we have to first be empty, and Lord Jesus, you said to daily empty ourselves, pick up the cross, and follow you if we're to be worthy of being your disciples. So let us all empty ourselves daily that you may fill us and that you'd be glorified in the, in the service that we provide you as we lay our lives down and be living sacrifices for you. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your loving and protective heart for children. And we pray for every child who walks through the doors of Rise Kids Ministry, that you would abundantly bless them, that you would guard and protect their hearts and their minds and their souls, and that the word that they hear every Sunday would go down deep, 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 and land in fertile soil, that the seed would grow up to be, bear much fruit as they grow up and that they would all walk and follow you and serve you all the days of their life. We pray for every mom and dad in this sanctuary and those who are unable to be here today, that, Lord, you would strengthen them in their holy calling as their parents. And I pray, Lord, you continue to give them wisdom 
and remembrance of scriptures as they teach their children along the way. And for every grandparent, and for us as a church family as a whole, help us to use the gifts that you've given us to support moms and dads. And that, Lord, we would, we would be a church, an oasis for our families, for the children, Lord, as they are facing a very, um, an increasingly godless and lawless culture, and they're on the front lines. So I pray that this year, 2023, would be a year of developing a great leadership team, a team of men and women, grandpas and grandmas, all kinds of people, Lord, to love and protect the children in this battle. But Lord, we thank you that you have won the battle and you have overcome the world. And we look forward to all the wonderful things and answers to prayers that we will witness in the coming year. Thank you, Lord. This is Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord, we see the day approaching, and we need each other more than ever. And I just pray that our friendships within the church would be encouraging in love and in good works, that they would be real and personal friendships, that our conversations would be full of whatever is true and whatever is right and encouraging, that our Rise Church family would be bound together by our love for you, our love for the, church, for the truth, our love for the truth and our love for each other, and that we would be with one mind, one heart, and spirit. And then as Greg said, that we would link shields and so that the power, through your power, we can extinguish the fiery arrows of the evil one. The attacks of this culture, of this time, Lord, we see it coming as this day approaches, Lord. We need each other more than ever. And we just pray for a bond uh, among our fellow believers here at RISE. Thank you, Lord, for our fellowship. This is from John 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Lord, we do gather together, Lord. We pray for the power of your word in our lives, Lord. We desire to uh, grow in you, to uh, be set free from the things that are wrong in our lives for you to correct us with it with your word father i pray for us to have a hunger lord to open your word and to um, hear from your heart lord as the day begins as the year begins lord we pray for just a transformation we pray for uh, teaching for the Holy Spirit to be at work as we open up your word, Lord. Just minister to ourselves and use it. Call it to mind, Lord, as we live life and as we're in conversation with others, Lord, that we could share the truth of who you are. Anchor us, Lord, into your word, we pray. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, starting at verse 36. 
And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray for the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. Precious Jesus, most beautiful God, our Savior, we are so thankful that you took our place, that you shed your blood for our sin, that you paid the price for eternal life for us, for healing, for strengthening of our lives, God. We knew where we were. Lord God, we thank you for the gift, the gift, God, that is free, the gift, God, that we can give out to others everywhere we are. Lord God, we pray right now, brothers and sisters, our church family, our congregation, Lord God, that you would give us great boldness, that your Holy Spirit would fall down with great power, that you would fill us to hunger and thirst for the righteousness in others that you gave to us. Lord, you, you, you said that's not your will any perish. You said that you died for all. And so God, let us hate what you hate and love what you love. And we are praying as we see that day approaching, we see your face, we see our race, maybe coming to an end, but your word says that your face is brighter than the noonday sun in all of its glory. And might we run laying aside everything that hinders us and bring with us so many souls. Can we bring with us from the grocery store, from the shopping mart, can we say something? Holy Spirit, now fall on us and revive us. If we've been afraid, will you give us courage? If we have just been not knowing what to say, will you give us wisdom? But Lord, we are asking that this year would be different and let our congregation just be soul winners in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.